And we're live with Living the Guide Life podcast. We're back and ready to roll. Um, our duck season up here just started. So we're into our regular season up here in Minnesota. And getting into some ducks. They're starting to push down. We're starting to see some geese. It's still warm. Still really, really warm for this time of year. I mean, we're talking like 85 degrees out right now. So not ideal for what you want in almost October. but it is what it is so still grinding away and uh looks like we got some pretty good feeds lined up for this weekend so pretty excited about that gonna go try to shoot one up tomorrow get the birds moving a little bit more um and then we'll be ready to rock but today we're brought to you by chasing fowl outfitters uh come check us out we're booking hunts throughout the year october is mostly booked um there's a few dates left that you can get on the fun. Um, but November got some openings. Um, but kind of winding down here. So if you're looking to get on a hunt in Minnesota, make sure to shoot me a message and uh we'll get you all squared away. But we are also brought to you by Bourbon Mean, and I'll give them a second here. If you're a small business owner in the outdoor industry, we get it. The words digital marketing can be intimidating. You're a grunt work, sweat it out, bust your chops kind of person who's addicted to progress and put all of your time and energy into operating your business. We at Bourbon Media can help you push it even further. We're digital marketing experts. I'm talking web development, content creation, social media management, SEO, paid advertising, the whole nine yards. And as fellow outdoorsmen, we know the industry. Keep your business up to date and expand your reach with digital marketing that is directed at your core market. We are Bourbon Media. Cheers to progression. And that wraps things up for Bourbon Media. Um, make sure to go check them out. If you're looking for website design, they are the guys to do it. So get on that. And we are also brought to you by Pacific Calls. That's what I've been running all season long. And they are bad to the bone. Make sure to go check them out as well. Trevor and Alex do a great job of anytime you need your calls tuned, you just send it right over to them. And they're just beasts of a call. Like, personally, my favorite's a PCG. Also run four of a kind for goose calls and then the aces for a duck call. So make sure to go check them out. I'm more of a single read type of guy. So that's why I like my aces. But yeah, go check it out. And then today we have Ben on from Dive Bomb Canada. So we chat with him about what's going on up there and how everything's working as well as what their hunting season looks like this year in Canada. Um talk about some of the residents and non-resident stuff going on up there and all the fun jet of what is happening so i know you guys will like this one i hope you enjoy it and uh good luck for all those waterfalls getting out this weekend All right, and we are live with Living the Guide Life podcast today, and we have Ben Comador on from Canada, who runs the dive bomb operation up in Canada. So, Ben, how are we doing? Ah, not too bad, man. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Finally cooling down? It's been nice. It's uh, finally getting a bit cooler. Uh, 
starting to see more of the migration start to the staging anyways getting some specs through the area and uh reports of snow geese further north yeah oh, i hear you it's been really cool down where we're at too i mean this whole summer it's been like fucking 90 degrees <laughs> when i was in when i went to uh st louis before we came to to um to uh, minnesota I got off the plane in St. Louis. I have not had that kind of, I don't think I've ever experienced that kind of heat and humidity. It was just like, <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Over, over during Squad Fest, it was hot. Yeah. Like it was very warm down there. I've never yeah. been down there in the summer, so I didn't really wouldn't know what to expect. And when I, like, oh man, it was, when I got off the plane, plane for and that was the couple days before game fair there and yeah. i remember uh, brian in the office in in st louis he told me make sure you make sure you bring shorts and wear shorts down here and i'm like no oh, i can't be that bad i got off the plane i was like oh <laughs> i should have worn shorts <laughs> yeah oh no question and then game fair i mean game fair was we only had one bad day and you weren't even there for that one that was no, the I was there Friday the first, that you were gone. Yeah, I was there for the first weekend. Um, and man, that was what an experience that was as a guy from Canada. We have nothing remotely close to anything like that. So to get to kind of experience that, um, yeah, was something that it's like I love it. I, I wish it was, I wish we had that up here. Yeah, yeah. Game Fair has been like one of my favorite things. I mean, growing up in Minnesota, like go to it every year and like it's awesome. Yeah, that's it's something that I mean, I've talked with my wife about the past of like, yeah, I'd like to go there, but without deliberately kind of planning a vacation or, you know, yeah. line it up with early season honkers in North Dakota. It just was like, there's no way I'm going to ever be able to make it. Yeah. Um. So for that opportunity, I was very, very, very grateful for that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then your season started up there. Set on the eighth. The, yeah. So the northern part of the of um, Alberta opened on the first and then my area the southern half uh we opened on the eighth and we have been just getting after it as much as i can early mornings uh weekends that sort of thing just trying to you know i went out um sunday a friend and i shot a swath barley field for a farmer he couldn't get it all off before the rain hit and i watched it the saturday night and every pass down the end the birds got up Soon as he came back, they dropped right back in. I'm like, okay, they're not phased. <laughs> Put it to bed, and uh, Buddy and I went in there in the morning, and we were done and shot our two limits. The shooting was horrendous, but shot our two duck limits uh, in like 45 minutes. Got out of there. I went in there Monday morning, and I was done. And oh, it was embarrassing my shooting display. It's been terrible this year. I think I need really? to spend time shooting some plays next year in the spring, yeah. in the summer because. Holy, but anyways, I was able to shoot my limit out of there again. And I kind of today just let it rest and yeah. let it do its thing and see where we're at tomorrow. And if they're back in there, lots of specs buzzing that field too. So I might try and let them rest a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I hear you. And you were talking about that spec band earlier. Uh, yeah. Opening day, a uh, group of us went out and shot a bunch of, bunch of specs, shot a, we shoot five five man limited specs and a five man limited ducks for the opener. And uh, mm. yeah, this <laughs> one of them was banded and it was I lost the draw and now my buddy Joe won it. And yeah, it uh ten year old spec. Gotta love it. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> what was really cool is we were talking with a couple other guys and um, on the first they had shot two specs and banded and both of those uh, bands came from the same area out in uh, up in the Yukon right on the Alaska border. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. That's a yeah. deal. Cause we shot, we shot one spec band, um, down in Nebraska and I'm trying to think where it was at. It was somewhere up in Canada. I'm pretty sure. Or Alaska or something like that. I'm pretty sure here. Probably find out where it's from. But that was like unbelievable. It was two specs came in and it was just lights out. Dumped both of them and one of them had a band on it. The the crazy thing is that everybody laughs about the guys I hunt with. So I have I have three labs and my middle one, Daisy. Every hunt, every every time that I've been on a hunt that a band has been shot, uh, she has retrieved all but one. And the one she didn't retrieve. She was on that hunt anyways, and it was my other dog, Minnie, that retrieved that band. But literally, and that's not, I don't want to jinx it, knock on wood. Yeah. Uh, two years in a row, we've shot a band on the opener down here. The first year was a pintail, and then, no like, last year was a pintail, sorry, and then this year was that, that spec. Um, but, yeah, it's like <laughs> everybody laughs when they get out of the truck. Which dog did you bring? Daisy. Oh, we might get a band today. <laughs> 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 I don't know what it is about that dog, but man, it's, uh, yeah. Just loads up the bands. Well, and it, it's always been, it was snow geese up until, um, she had two snows under. And then last year in the opener, we shot that pintail. And then, um, this fall, this past fall, we shot a, I did a nine-year-old snow from Russia. Um, oh, wow that she retrieved and yeah it's just yeah it's hilarious every time it's like, yeah of course <laughs> yeah yeah so it was shot the one that we shot was up from none of it okay yeah so that's way that so yeah that must have been wow that's crazy the difference yeah, yeah so that's where that was from it was 18 years old <laughs> yeah i always get amazed by that when you hear those big numbers um and it could fly when it was banded too yeah like that's it always amazes me that for that many years it's avoided all the decoy spreads it's avoided all the predators everything and for whatever reason at 18 years with all that knowledge that they have it fell to your spread like it just (laughs) it got sucked right in like it just it blows my mind when you hear those big numbers yeah yeah it's such a cool deal like yeah just like you're saying just how much they've gone up and down and then all yeah. of a sudden it's just boom. That's the For one reason. reason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like, I think even past like seven years old, it's like oh. seven years. That's such a long time to see so many different spreads. Oh, it's absolutely incredible. I, we, we were just chatting in group chat that I'm in with a bunch of guys that, that, um, the, from our spring guiding and stuff. And one of the guys shot a, his clients, uh, they shot a, 15 year old mallard and it had a money band on it It was 65 bucks the green on the money band was pretty much all like rubbed off yeah and it's just like like man how does that like what you know it's just how many times has that bird been shot how many times has that bird (laughs) close calls for guys up and down the flyway yeah and that was the spread that it got oh my god yeah yeah. This is crazy because, yeah, I mean, even the amount of times, like, 
they've been in a spread and their entire group gets shot up and they just yeah. barely miss it. Like, Always, yeah. It's what's interesting to me. The watch I saw they put out, they're starting to use like black bands now. On yeah, they're doing that down stuff. in Iowa. They started it's, banding them. Yeah, and it, you know, I up here bands are more of a rarity. It seems like I mean, they're, they don't get me wrong, they get shot, but I don't yeah. think they're as common as they are. We don't, we just don't have the banding. Yeah, there's no the banding stations. Yeah, go to go to Manitoba. There's banding station there with the Delta Marsh and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but this idea that guys can actually physically go out and they start like picking bands is just, I think that I I, I think it's cool. Yeah. I just I, I wonder the long term on the reporting side of things are those black bands how many of them are going to get missed? Yeah. And guys just don't see it, notice it on the leg, and and then it doesn't get reported. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, that'll be because I've never really looked at it like that. But that you make a great point on that. I mean, it's definitely a thing you can just slip right past you. Yeah. Well, it's. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine, and he was. He said his first band that he got was a banded a black band on a Canada years ago, and the only way he knew it was they went. They were going to clean them, and he threw it down on the. Like they set all the birds down on the floor in the garage, and he heard the clink of it hit the. It hit the concrete floor and he's like, wait a minute what was that and he starts going through all the legs and he finds this black band on a canada so, yeah right like there would have been one that could have been missed yeah i so. mean like i even ran into a couple of years ago like one of my really good buddies he went on a hunt in wisconsin they shot their limit or whatever and then he kept i think it was it was either one duck or two duck in the freezer for his dog for the next year and he's like he brought him out that day because we were doing some training in the spring i'm like dude like where'd you get this band like did you put this on there to like try to play with me he's like dude i swear to god like i've that thing's been frozen i had no idea that thing was even on there <laughs> yeah man it's yeah it's i i do think i mean guys miss silver ones all the time yeah that nine-year-old russian i had no idea it was there. I, I mean, I wasn't not necessarily giving it a look. I, I'm much better yeah. at looking now, especially after that spec. <laughs> but I'm walking back with this thing because I went, I went for a walk. There was a couple that sailed. And anyways, I'm picking this thing up and I, you know, I'm just moving my finger. All of a sudden I'm feeling it. It takes half a second. I'm like, wait a minute. And I look down and it's just this old looking band. I'm like, man, like, it's just so easy to, to just not quite see it you're not paying attention you know what dropped a bunch of birds you got a dog working whatever it gets messed right so oh, those yeah. black bands i don't know that they're gonna get i mean again i can't wrap my head around the idea of going out and specifically shooting birds for bands we just i think good on you if you can that's yeah. but i do think you're gonna start seeing more of that data missed yeah oh 100 i mean even like the bands i saw somebody post on something where the band was literally like all the way up the leg into the feathers. Yeah. Like you would never have any idea. No, but that was there. not a clue. And you know, I mean, completely different, but there was a, there's every year with the, especially in the spring with the snow goose migration, there's always a few collared birds that get found. And, and I, uh, I was sitting next to a guy uh, watching a roost and it was a birder. Like one of those, they're just taking photos and, yeah. At that moment, he posted on Facebook, and I was just waiting for the birds to get up. And I'm scrolling, and I see it, and I'm looking, and he, I'm like, I'm looking at the same marsh as you right now. What? 
that's you. That's the angle. Like I can tell by the background, the whole night. Yeah. Anyways, sure enough, there's this red collared bird up there. And I'd like, I couldn't see it. I'm now looking, trying to find it. I'm like, I can't pin out the red collar on a white bird. What the heck is it? People are out here shooting silver off of a foot. Man, good on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I'm I'm with you on that. It's definitely easy to lose a band like quicker than you think. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. People put it past everybody. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It is what it is. But, brother, I want to hear more about your backstory <laughs> and how you okay. got into hunting, you got into dive bomb, everything about it. Give the people something to, like, really connect you with. Okay. Um, so I grew up in southern Ontario. Um, grew up. My dad was a big deer hunter. Um, did waterfowl as well. He, uh, we hunted. I remember as a kid vividly. I mean, I went out on deer hunts too. But the fun thing was bird hunting. I was more involved. I didn't have to sit still, be quiet. You know, Ontario hunting out of a deer stand the whole nine. Yeah. Um. So a lot of goose hunting. I actually remember hunting it growing up. I hunted out of one of those goose chairs. Um, with a big goose over me, so I could move. Yeah look and um and my, we never had a retriever so i got to be my dad's dog um <laughs> and then yeah i remember like you know opening day get out of school and you get to go hunt ducks on the and we go hunt ducks on the marsh and then geese in the afternoon sort of deal um he passed when i was 11 and i kind of in ontario and the way it works uh there certain provinces are now down to 10 years old but for the majority of it it's you have to be 12 years old to get your hunting license and go hunting and to actually carry the gun and pull the trigger you can still go as an observer obviously yeah. before then so at 11 i was pretty devastated that close um didn't really get into hunting kind of stepped away from it was it was kind of out of that um until i moved out west to alberta and then i really was looking for something to do kind of you know, new area new place and, and really started to connect in the hunting side of things had a new uh, long before I had dogs and <laughs> just kind of started self-teaching myself as much as I could reading, watching YouTube videos, um, trial and error, what works, what doesn't work. Um, did that, um, I'd say, oh shit, that was five years probably of just trial and error going out, having taken a canoe and, and hunting some water, started getting into spotting fields, talking to different, different landowners, that sort of thing. Um, but there's really the whole thing didn't really start getting completely crazy. So the year before I got my oldest dog, uh, Minnie, it should be five this year. So it, it really started to become a thing where I was driving two, two and a half, I get up early, drive two, two and a half hours to go sit on a pond or to go, you know, the night, the Friday night, you're putting a field to bed. You're not home to 11. You're up at two in the morning, to drive back out there to, to hunt it. And, and then it, it kind of, I, I remember vividly a water hunt. I actually now live, I'd say five minutes as the crow flies from that puddle where I shot this duck and this goose. Mm. I shot it, shot the duck. It was wounded. It ended up running into the weeds. I spent forever looking for that thing, trying to do the ethical thing, trying to do the right thing. And, and then finally get sat back down, shoot a goose. It was going to fall stone dead, left a wing out, helicoptered into the reeds. I was like, are you kidding me? Couldn't find it. Could not find them, either of those birds. I looked. I vividly remember getting getting to the truck, getting into cell service. I called my my at the time girlfriend, now wife. And I'm like, we're getting a dog. This is it. Like, I need a dog. Fast forward to, to that Christmas. Minnie came home, and it's just been. It's almost like from that moment, hit the ground running between 
developing a huge passion for training and just spending time training the dogs to I've now got three um, I've done guiding and just actively trying to get out as much as I can, even if it is just me and a dog going for a hunt. Yeah. So um, I, I got to It's just, it's hard for people to kind of understand and to explain to, to them as I'm sure you, you know, you got you and your listeners understand just the passion that's there for it. Yeah. But it's, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, my life revolves around September one, right through our season ends, uh, December 21st and then spring snows technically opens March 15th, but usually isn't until about Easter weekend. We start getting into Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, that's kind of, that's me in a nutshell now. And, and, and then with dive bomb, um, I'd been bugging Asher about Canada for a while. Um, just kind of talking with them and, you know, now knowing what I know now, I was very premature in terms of the, the growth of the company and where they were at that time. They just were ready to come to Canada. Um, it's been an undertaking and there's a lot of stuff involved. That's more, more than just opening a, you know, opening a warehouse and, and yeah. shipping packages. Um, so in that time frame, I did everything I could to try and connect myself with the right people, make the right moves, learn what I could, um, you know, develop my customer service skills develop my just my overall kind of leadership skills and then i re-reached out to asher last year and it just kind of started this snowball and to send me a resume to you know almost interview type questions over the phone to yeah. okay here we go we're sending you up your first round of product <laughs> so that's awesome yeah yeah it's been it's been fun it's been a it's been a journey to get to this point. And, you know, I, it's often there's times where I'm sitting like even right now sitting here going like, I still cannot fully believe that I'm in the position that I'm in and working for a company like dive bomb and just having the amount of fun I'm having is insane. Yeah. Oh, I can. So, yeah. And what'd you do before dive bomb? Uh, so I moved before I moved out West. Um, I used to work with kids in custody. Um, and, and then I really, part of it being with my dad passing, I really had this, um, he was a real, like a handyman type thing. And I really had this bucket list item, call it what it was that I wanted to check off. And I wanted to get licensed, um, in a trade. Yeah. So I went ahead, applied for a couple jobs, uh, applied for one on a Friday morning, Friday afternoon, had an interview and I started Monday morning. Um, and so that was a whirlwind weekend. But anyways, I came out to Alberta, got my ticket as a, a qualified, certified uh, Red Seal electrician. <clears throat> and then I got my ticket right when oil took a tank. So there was like for one position, I knew a guy that worked there. There was a position opened up for a maintenance electrician and there was over 600 qualified electricians. We're talking guys with 30 years experience. It's like, I don't have a chance yeah. as, a, as a brand new journeyman. So. I started another trade working on refrigeration, mm. uh, rooftop commercial stuff. And then my wife, um, she got a job. So she's the psychologist for the school board down where we live. She moved us down here and there was a company looking for a guy with kind of some trade experience, refrigeration. Um, so I actually worked on transport trailer refrigeration units. There's a meat packing plant here. And so there's 
150, 200 trailers in their yard every day with reefers on the front. So it was services, on call, emergency stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was doing actually before, you know, the whole thing with dive bomb and, and um, initially actually what was, I had kind of explored the option of, of guiding full time and kind of making that my thing. Yeah. Um, the downside being Canadian. Yeah. Our season starts earlier, but I'm done. Theoretically for most guys, they're done by our Thanksgiving, which is the second to third week of October. And then yeah. you're waiting on spring snows if, and not a lot of guys do that either. So trying to, how do you make a living doing that? Yeah. It's difficult. Traveling. Well, and then even then for me to come work in the States is yeah. next to impossible. Yeah. So it's a, you know, I, I've looked and explored and I'd spoken to lawyers about it. Cause I had a, it was a couple of different guys that were like, Hey, I could use a hand. Like, you know, we might be able to make something happen here, but yeah. the, the States won't let me into work. So yeah. yeah. Hmm. Why is that? Is that like just a legal thing or? It's so basically the way that it was explained to me when I talked to the, the border guys, he's like, I would, I'd have to, when I arrive, First of all, they don't give you like a visa ahead of time. So you basically pack your truck, drive to the border or fly if you're flying down, but driving, drive to the border, you get there and it depends on if they're going to let you in that day or not based on what you're doing. And he said, you have to prove to us why you can do your job, why you think, why we need to let you in to do that job or we're giving that job to an American. And the guy, he was a hunter and he's like, and I, you can't use the excuse, you know, He's like, a lot of guys just don't want to do it. They can't do it, whatever the case is. That, that's not a legitimate reason. You have to provide um, some sort of certification, training, mm. educational background to prove why. And I'm like, well, there's nothing for that. He goes, I know there is. So, yeah. you know, yeah. And he said, he said, I've heard it all. He had one Canadian that tried to go down. And he's like, the excuse that guy gave is like, because I get up for an alarm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I can't, you can't use that either. So, <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no training, there's no certification, yeah. there's no course for it. So yeah, to try and get over is pretty near impossible. Whereas in Canada for guys to come up here and work, you can get a temporary work visa and yeah. come up. And I, I do think a lot of that reason is just because guys won't get up for an alarm in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's too good. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. That's, huh, that's weird. Cause yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm a, you know, you, you hear it quite often up here, especially from the, the local guys and, and residents a lot about pressure and, and that sort of thing. And I think the reason that they allow Americans to come up, at least this is my belief, a lot of the money for our wetlands, um, the restoration of our wetlands and stuff through Ducks Unlimited, Delta Waterfowl, all that stuff, all that money comes from you guys. Yeah. Or the vast majority of it comes from the United States. The moment you start telling Americans they can't come to Canada to hunt, what's the point? They're not like, you know, COVID was hard enough. Yeah. So. Oh, exactly. And what's Delta and Ducks Unlimited like up there? Ducks is very different. Um, they're very different than they are in the States. Um, I think a lot of it just has to do with the demographic. Um, just being that there is way more hunters in the United States, ducks is able to kind of stay true to their roots. Whereas in Canada, there's a lot, there's less of us. Um, and because of that, 
they've had to diversify a little bit. So they're very much, um, they have a lot of, a lot of stuff that reaches out more to people that I don't want to call them tree huggers because it's not necessarily what they are, but more activists or environmentalists as opposed to necessarily the average hunter. Um, so they're very different that way. Like, I mean, I've talked with guys that, you know, in Texas ducks unlimited has like gun raffles with, you know, they're auctioning off thousands of guns and stuff. And up here at the ducks dinners, you might sell five guns Ten guns is a really good dinner. Wow. Pre COVID obviously. So it just, um, it's different in that sense. Whereas, whereas Delta, um, in the way that they are is very similar to the States from what I've heard, very heavily involved in waterfowl one-on-ones, getting new people hunting, um, predator management and houses, all that sort of stuff seem to be kind of the common theme and, and research is their big, obviously with the, with the marsh in Manitoba and that sort of thing. But it is, it's a little different. Wow. It's a little different depending on who I talk to in terms of how ducks and or Delta are. Yeah. The ducks is definitely, which I think is the same in the States. Ducks is definitely the more popular of the two, more well-known. But I do think that the majority of waterfowl hunters, while I feel like they should be a member of both, I certainly think more are members of Delta than ducks. Yeah. So I'd have to agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I support both. I'm a member of both. Um, you know, I've done stuff for ducks. Uh, they up here actually with the, with COVID and no dinners and stuff, they've started this new thing called their outdoor series, um, in Alberta. So what they've been doing is, um, having kind of like, we had a waterfowl one-on-one event was one. I did a dog training thing for a couple hours. Um, they did one on fishing. Uh, they did another on like backpacking in the Rocky mountains, that sort of thing. Yeah. So they, um, they're kind of trying to just get people back involved with coming out of COVID. We still can't host dinners and things. Um, but regardless, it's, they're trying, but they are diversifying yeah. for sure. No, I, I on that. Um, and I kind of want to hear more about the whole dive bomb deal up there and what goes on. What is the daily, daily life look like for you up there? <laughs> busy that this time of year it's been uh been hectic you, you can tell seasons are season I, I, we have a and i don't think you guys have we have a long weekend the first weekend of august we get the monday off and it's pretty much from that moment on it's like everybody's brain switched it's waterfowl hunting and it's just been absolutely insane um it's been busy because i'm the only guy doing it um yeah. like i don't have help i don't have anything um so we've been between shipments arriving from St. Louis to packing orders, getting them ready to go on the FedEx truck and everything in between with the customer service, the emails, um, working with outfitters. I've gone and done a few visits with different outfitters, um, getting their stuff ready. I've done trips to, you know, big orders. I've done a run to uh, Saskatoon. I think I did one, two, three trips to Saskatoon in less than a month. And it was just, whether it was meeting with guys, I went there in a hunt test to delivering stuff for outfitters. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. We bought that uh, big 16 foot red and white yeah. trailer. Um, all in that back and forth loaded full of stuff. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. 
busy. It's, you know, last night sitting there watching, watching Monday night football and I'm getting texts and Facebook messages asking stuff about product. You have this, you have that, you know, just, I love it. I'm, I enjoy every, it's just been very busy and a lot of, um, you know, I've got a book that I keep track of. Yeah. If someone phones me when I finally get to sit down and answer a voicemail or listen to a voicemail, I got to call this guy back and this guy back and 10 different things start happening. And it's, but yeah, it's busy. Day to day life in terms of what that looks like varies depending on how busy it is, that sort of thing. But for the most part, get here around eight o'clock, um, print off all the orders pack all the orders, get everything ready for FedEx because he's usually here around noon, one o'clock and come back, sit at the computer. Any orders that have come through since I've done that, go pack those again and then start answering phone calls, start answering emails, check in with the outfitters that are using our stuff, trying to build that relationship, um, make sure they're doing well, you know, make sure that, you know, they need anything. Yep. Got it at the door. I'll make sure it gets there. Um, and then somewhere in between all of this, Usually at the end of the day, get out and go for a scout, try and find a field. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you're a busy man this time of year. It, yeah, it is. It's, but, and I can tell, especially too, it kind of, it started to just a touch slow off after our season, but you can tell Ontario's about to start going. Yeah. We're just, the order's starting to come through again. And a lot of them going to Ontario guys, oh, need decoys. Let's go. And yep. I'm, I'm expecting once the snow geese show up here that it's, in huntable numbers, we're gonna. I'm gonna start seeing a lot of orders for that. Um, yeah. So it's just, and that's the other side of it too, like the behind the scenes of thinking ahead, prepping for that, making sure that I've got enough inventory when that hits that yeah. you know we're ready to roll. So we we started at working out of the basement of my house. That lasted a month and a half, and it was yeah. going. That's like it's this can't do it. It's we're moving too much. It, it yeah. was you know take me a day to offload a truck get it in the basement just to get it all back out before the next week. So yeah, we moved into a, a new facility. Um, used to be an old welding shop and I think we're 20,000 square feet. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just been flying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can imagine. What's your biggest seller right now? Probably the V2S. A lot of guys buying the V2S. Um, cranes. A lot of guys in Saskatchewan and here in Alberta starting to buy crane decoys. Um, biggest thing has been for Canada is just there haven't there's no way to buy cranes. Um, I know of a few guys that have gone the stuffer route, um, yeah. but for the most part, you were ordering from dive bomb in the states, and to try and get that over, you know, you don't know your duty and your. That was the whole point of a, we eliminate the unknown cost of duty and broker. Yeah. Um, Plus, usually faster shipping times coming from here. Um, yeah. Like anybody in Alberta orders, they've got it next day. Yeah. So um, it's yeah, it, it's V two Fs for sure. Um, and then I'd say the cranes are up there. Um, and I V twos, and it's just trying to depends. I mean, I, there was a window there last week where it was all V twos. Yeah. To start this week, it's been all V two Fs. So it's interesting too, and you know how it just goes in waves like that. Yeah. When people are buying these orders, like what are the sizes that they're usually picking up? Uh, it honestly it really depends. Uh, but for the most part, the standard is usually a bag and five dozen. Yeah. Um, but we do get guys that are 
uh, mixing and matching. Um, once we've got, once we got the Canada stocks back in stock, I started selling a bunch of those. A lot yeah. of guys try, want to try out the stocks, want to see how that works. Um, they've seen the videos of guys down in the States just hammering on them under the socks. So, yeah. um, but typically it's, it's been five dozen in a bag, whether it's the V2s or the V2Fs, um, V2As, V2Afs, we need a little bit of those too. Yeah. And then, um, starting to see the snows like i said starting to see the snows pick up i just did an order for an outfitter today for a whole lack of snows yeah um so i get the fedex guy was hilarious i was chatting with him before i got on with you I said, just so you know it's gonna be a big one tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> you just see the look on his face because it used to be they'd come to brooks and they would uh they go home light they go home empty. yeah back up to calgary but now they go back full. <laughs> so the driver, he doesn't mind it when it's windy or he's like, he's looking forward to it in winter. But I can tell some days he's like, I don't want to lift all this stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> like 50 or 60 packages here. Come on. Uh, take it easy on me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. Oh, that's awesome. What's like, I mean, I can imagine with the snow is there'll be bigger orders. There will be some yeah. bigger orders with that. Yeah, well, for that sure. Is, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the one today was over a hundred dozen. So, oh, geez, like, yeah, it's a full spread. He's yeah. ready to roll. Yeah, yeah. What's the biggest order that you've had ordered up there? Uh, one outfitter in uh, brand new outfit in Saskatchewan. Uh, he ordered, they ordered their entire their entire they outfitted their entire snow goose trailer and their entire dark goose spread with us. Um, I haven't so. That trailer that I'm pulling is 16 foot long, and then it's eight and nine feet tall, and it's the like I think it's almost eight feet wide. Like it's the widest yeah. base you can get. Yeah, and over half that trailer was full of his stuff, like from floor to ceiling. Jeez. Yeah, it was. Yeah, so they outfitted their whole operation with it. Um, but no, I mean, if you take out the outfitters in terms of just you know you're at the local guys, your average guys that are trying to get out. Yeah. Um, I've had a few guys come in that have came and bought. Uh, they filled the bed of their truck. Okay, um, yeah. Just with V2s, V2Fs. But like I say, I think once the snow show up and guys are, they want to start getting snow goose decoys and they realize that, you know, unless they want to, whether it's a used spread, but if they want to get a spread and in a hurry. Yeah. That's why I do think I'm going to start to see big, big orders go through that way. So, yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. yeah get them, get them quick while they can and then be on the field. Right. Well, exactly. And like I said, for the guys in Alberta, it's a, it's a next day. You get the order in by 10 o'clock in the morning, you'll have it by the end of the day, the following day. So, um, for a lot of those guys, it's, and that, that's the other thing that you can tell the season's on where guys are, Hey, can you, I need this order tomorrow. <laughs> Send it the fastest way you can get it here. I'll pay the extra to yeah. get it here tomorrow. <laughs> but man, nothing just like sit, last minute. <laughs> sitting on that feed waiting for the decoys to come. Yeah, that's uh, Honestly, I, I, need, I get the sense some nights when I'm sitting there getting texts. Like I'm watching a feed and somebody's watching a feed and they're just waiting for the birds to go and they're looking like, Oh, I'm a Texas guy. See if you can get these decoys out to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, yeah, that sounds like sounds like a lot of fun up there in Canada. And I mean, what is like 
have a lot of people been coming up and hunting like out of staters like have uh, you seen pressure up there no no um I mean, the, our pressure up here, what we call pressure, is nothing like what you guys like. You know, yeah. when I was down there at Game Fair talking to you guys, I mean, I and I heard about it before, and you see the videos of like an Arkansas guys getting run over by a boat. Yeah, like just everybody's seen that stuff. Um, we don't have anything like that. I mean, there's hunting water up here. I do it rarely, but I will do it on like you know, I'm going to be slammed tonight, or I'm you know, football's on Thursday night. Yeah, I don't want to go spot tonight. I want to watch football. Yeah. I'm tired. I'm going to go hunt the pond puddle in the morning, but for the most part, we don't hunt water. It's all field stuff. Yeah. Opener didn't run into a soul driving around. And I did hmm. three, 400 kilometers and I didn't run into anybody and every door I knocked on, go ahead. Yeah. So it, it, it's pressure. Pressure exists in certain areas, depends on where you go in the province. Um, and I think that's the same across Canada for the, like, yeah. or at least the prairies for the most part. Um, but the biggest thing is, you know, with COVID, now that Americans can come up here, it's now the big issue for the outfitters is, and for anybody that's freelancing is vaccination. Are they vaccinated? Do they have it? Um, and then you have to have the 72 hours proof of a negative test to go to get up here. Yeah. Then you need it to go home um, if you're flying. Um, Although I think you need it for driving too, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's, there are guys up here and there are some outfitters that are at full capacity and there's other guys that they're down to a week and a half, two weeks worth of clients. And that's kind of the rest of it is their fun hunt. So, yeah. but you can't pay bills fun hunt. No, not at all. <laughs> Bank doesn't take that as payment for a mortgage, unfortunately. No, not at all. Fun, uh, fun hunts are good and everything like that, but they do not pay the bills. No, so no, it's uh, you know, I think the the stat that I kind of mentioned to the guys when I was down there was there's it's about a there's a reservoir and about think there's a hundred basins in there i haven't counted them all that's just what i'm running off of um and i'd say collectively throughout our season until they till freeze up uh if all of hundred of those puddles and the reservoir get hunted more than 10 times collectively yeah that's it and that's a damn busy year for that stuff it just people don't hunt water it's fields we're chasing fields and it's it's insane how wide open it is up here. I think people underestimate, you know, I can drive from my place. I can drive 12 hours and not leave the province. Oh, wow. Like it's so, you know, you, you run into guys. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, it's, and for the most part, everyone that I've ever ran into, I've had never really had an issue a couple of times, but Usually it's like, oh, you got permission on this too? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Well, you want to hunt together in the morning? How many you got? Oh, there's three of us. Oh, there's three or four of us. Let's just hunt together. Yeah. So, oh, and then exactly. that's, that's when you end up having the big pots. Yeah. Oh, I hear you on that. Well, that's good then. That's not a big hunting pressure area up there. Yeah. Cause I mean, I mean, we run into, I mean, we don't run into a ton after like October around. Yeah. Us like that i'm guessing most of the guys start going south then yeah like south or they start deer hunting or like yeah they're warm weather hunters so they just quit hunting and so it's like basically after october like i mean you're good to go but 
I mean, before that, it can get pretty hectic. That's you can tell when the deer hunting starts because it's like on social media and the hunting pages, everything switches and guys are, you know, by our Thanksgiving, it's after not too long after our Thanksgiving, guys are starting to switch deer hunting for November and yeah. and or the northern part of the province is, you know, it's freezing up, lakes are getting frozen out, birds are pushing out. Um, but the southern half with the, you know, November hunting up here, I mean, not that anybody's ever going to come try and experience it. I mean, some guys will, I guess, but usually by November, I think every state's pretty much wide open for duck hunting at that point, isn't it? Yeah. So, but our, our hunting gets pretty cool up here, especially when you get some snowfall. <laughs> hunting in the snow is pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you. <laughs> haven't done it. It's something we'll have to get you up here to do that because it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Hunting in the snow, I mean, down here, like, I love it more than anything. Oh, yeah. Like, you just, so much fun. I mean, we had, we had one hunt that was like blowing like 50 miles an hour and it snowed like a foot and a half that morning. And it was just wicked. They just, they, they, they just, they don't know what to do. Oh my God, dude. We had like, we had four guys. We were supposed to have nine. Five of them slept in. We shot our four man, all Drake Mallards in like 20 minutes. Like they were just coming off the roost and just literally like two feet off the corn. They oh. float right in because they could barely even fly with how much oh. it's coming in and the snow is insane. Oh. It's our biggest problem in November. The biggest problem with ducks is there's a lot of feedlots yeah. uh, in Southern Alberta and the ducks are literally feeding right in with the cows. Yeah. right on the grain piles and even if they're in the field next to it they won't let you in because, rightfully so they don't want the cows running everywhere yeah and whatnot so it becomes a bit tricky um i've got a few spots this year that that um kind of learned through the grapevine and chatting with some guys of pretty pretty cool areas for for ducks that i'm looking at now going why did i never check those areas before <laughs> but anyways um so that should be fun and and got a couple guys that are one guy that guides that this year he's just taken November and between me and another guy, he's just going to crash at one of our houses and yeah. just hunt. He's like, I, whether you guys can join or not, doesn't matter. I'm just going to go hunt and, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, try and shoot some ducks down there and something to do. He ranches full time and guides in the fall and in the spring and I don't get to shoot a whole ton myself. So I'm going to yeah. spend November doing it. Absolutely. I don't know why you would. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Brother. I'm with you on that. And uh, I actually got to run because I got to jump on a class call. Um, oh, but hey, anything else that we didn't cover that we could run over quick today? No, I don't think so. I mean, we're birds are moving. The guys listening down south, birds are moving, starting to see some spec numbers, hearing reports of snows. Uh, from the duck standpoint, man, I don't know that I've ever seen this many ducks. Yeah. So. It's going to be good. It's going to be a good fall. Yeah. No, I hear you on that. I mean, they're starting to push down where we're at, too. So yeah. we're, get, we're getting into them here. It'll be a good Excellent. time. But we need to have you on for another one because, I mean, there's still a bunch of shit we could go talk about. Anytime, man. You let me know. All right, brother. Sounds good. Thanks for jumping on again. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We'll see you. Bye. Bye.